Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Well, the vacation didn't go as planned, but I'm glad to be back. To paraphrase the immortal words of Leslie Nielsen, I apparently picked a bad day to go out of the country on a surf retreat. My direct flight to Zawatneo, made famous as the place Morgan Freeman flies into after being released from prison to get to the fishing village to meet up with Tim Robbins slash Andy Dufresne in The Shawshank Redemption. Fantastic movie. One of my favorites. That flight was canceled and then rescheduled as a red-eye connecting flight two days later. It would take me about 36 hours instead of four to get to Zwat. Oh, and by the way, thanks Alaska Airlines for not alerting me so that I showed up at the airport at the crack of dawn, surfboards packed and in tow, only to find out from the departure board that the flight was canceled. In any case, I bailed on that trip and I got out of town by car for a couple of days. Now, I'm fortunate that living in Northern California gives me a lot of options within a few hours drive as far as a getaway. It was not the same disconnect at all, though. Uh, The place I planned to go to in Mexico is completely off the grid. But I was away enough to miss doing what I do, which includes connecting with all of you through this podcast. In fact, I started composing a list of ideas for episodes toward the end of last week in anticipation of my return. And for anybody who's wondering what the hell I'm talking about, uh, in my last podcast, I let it be known that I was going to be taking a week off and going away uh, on a surf trip to Mexico. This is the explanation as to why that did not happen. But in any case, I am back. And before I get to my list of ideas, I thought I'd multitask. I'm once again part of the media panel that helps select the 10 starters for the NBA All-Star Game 
to be played this year in Cleveland, Ohio. And I have to turn in my selections in the next couple of days. In most instances, I wait until the last day to turn in my picks, but there was really no need this year. The choices for starters are just so clear-cut. And for those who may not know, there are three factions now that have a vote. Fans, select media, and players. The fan vote accounts for 50%, and players and media have a 25% share. While the media are pared down to 100-some voters, every player has the right to vote. It's uh, roughly 450 players. I would imagine it might even be greater this year. I'm not sure how they're going to handle it because as a result of COVID, we've had some 550 to 600 players signed. In any case, not all of them exercise that right. In 2017, only two-thirds of the players filled out a ballot, and that appears to have dwindled down to well below half actually voting last year. Some that do participate don't take it seriously, either voting for themselves or for teammates who are not all-star worthy and have no shot at actually making the game. So for those of you who think the players should select it, be forewarned. Players don't take it all that seriously or not enough of them do. Not enough of them do it at all. Fans are not above having fun with the ballot either. 771 members of the Jordan McLaughlin fan club and one player voted for him to make the 2020 team. Now, if you're not familiar with Jordan McLaughlin, he's an undrafted rookie. He had played, or at least he was, he had played in six games that season for the Minnesota Timberwolves, was inactive for 34 when all-star voting was conducted. The rules now for picking the starters are that you select three front court and two back court players from each conference. It used to be you picked a center, two guards, two forwards. But as a result of the game becoming so positionless, a few years back, the league changed it up for the better, I would say. In the East, my three front court players are Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I dare you to argue with any one of those three. It doesn't get any more straightforward than that. And on top of it, there wasn't anybody who came close to touching those three. There's not even like a remotely close fourth. It actually gets pretty damn thin. So for once, I'm glad I'm not a coach picking the all-star bench or subs. The choices are either players having great seasons on losing teams, particularly in the front court. DeMontis Sabonis being the biggest example, leading the 15-win Pacers in just about every major category. Or a guy like Jared Allen, who is having a nice season, averaging a double-double on a Cavaliers team that has been surprisingly good, but has won because of its depth and collective effort as much as anything. I'm as impressed with rookie Evan Mobley as I am with what Jared Allen has done this year. Now, I'm good with Darius Garland being a backcourt pick, but any other Cavs player that gets selected will be because of their record, not because that particular player has been or has demonstrated 
all-star talent. And that's not necessarily egregious. It happens fairly often, actually. But guys who wind up on the all-star roster that way are usually one-and-done all-stars. And no self-respecting Knicks fan, I should just get this out of the way now, no self-respecting Knicks fan is making a case for Julius Randle to be a two-time all-star, especially after he told the Madison Square Garden faithful to take a hike, in so many words, for expecting something closer to the form he showed last year, trying to earn an extension. I'm not making a case for him because I thought he was a borderline all-star last year and neither he nor the Knicks have come close to what they did last season, as I predicted would happen for those scoring at home. Uh, Nikola Vucevic with the Bulls might get the nod, but again, it will be off of the team's collective success and his numbers looking as if he's having a decent season. He's not. For anybody who's been watching the Bulls on a regular basis knows this. This has been as checkered a season as I can remember Vooch having. Uh, some of it's not necessarily his fault. Had COVID, got out of, fell out of shape, had to work his way back. He's playing with a dramatically different team that plays up-tempo, and that doesn't necessarily suit Vooch's, Vooch's game. The Heat deserve to have an all-star, and Jimmy Butler is the obvious choice, and he does qualify as a front-court player, but he's missed a ton of games, as has Bam Adebayo. One of the Celtics' top scorers, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, will probably get a front-court spot, even though there's nothing about their play this season that screams all-star. The backcourt bench players for the East are a little easier to identify. Garland deserves to be recognized, for sure. As does James Harden, Chris Middleton, and Trey Young. Although, it does trouble me that Trey's numbers can be so good and his team can still be so bad. And anybody who recalls, Trey did not start out the season well. He went through an adjustment period with the league cracking down on players finding ways to get to the free throw line without taking an actual legitimate shot. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm also a big believer in numbers translating to wins. And I'm not a big believer in giving a star alibis as in he doesn't have enough help. Besides, 
looking at the Hawks roster, Trey has plenty of help. The Hornets are likely to get an all-star, and because it's a popularity contest, LaMelo Ball is the likeliest choice. But while he has the most highlight reel plays, Gordon Hayward has been their most solid player, and both Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier have made a noticeable impact. The Hornets are a lot like the Cavs in that their winning record has been a collective, collective effort of good, but not necessarily great players. Same goes for the Washington Wizards. Bradley Beal might get the nod based on reputation, but he is having a subpar year by his standards, particularly from three. I believe he's shooting under 30%. The West starters are fairly straightforward as well. My backcourt is Chris Paul and Steph Curry, and my front court choices are LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Gobert. Anyone who wants to give the third front court spot to Luka Doncic over Gobert isn't going to get an argument from me other than Doncic plays point guard. He's missed a lot of games, and he's as inefficient as any star in the league. Not shooting it particularly well, especially from long distance, which hasn't kept him from jacking up a team-high eight threes a game and averaging nearly five turnovers a game. And if I'm going for another point guard or another guard, front uh, backcourt player, John Morant's going to get it ahead of Doncic on my list. Overall, though, anybody having an issue with the CP3 being my choice, I'm taking CP3's 4-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio all day, every day, along with the fact that he hasn't missed a game and the Suns have the best record in the league. I know Steph hasn't been particularly efficient as a playmaker either, but he's still shooting and scoring better than Doncic, and he's been relatively healthy until just recently. The Suns, by the way, are the best bet to have three All-Stars, with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton joining Paul as coaches' selections. I know the Warriors are up there, but it's, again, another mixed bag. Andrew Wiggins might potentially get a look, Draymond Green, maybe, but it's really been the sum of parts there that has made the Warriors as good as they've been this year. And yet, you take away Steph for a couple games, you try to insert Klay Thompson into the mix, you take Draymond Green away for a couple, couple of games, and suddenly the supporting cast doesn't quite look the same. That's why I still have a certain degree of hesitation that the Warriors are an odds-on favorite to end up winning it all this year. John Morant, haven't forgotten him. He is a lock, either as a starter or as a coach's choice, and deservedly so. And I'm about to explain why I have Steph in there ahead of job. There is a personal reason for it. Uh, a host of Grizzlies have contributed to their first half success as well, but none have stood out to the level of Morant. I could see Carl Anthony Towns with the Minnesota Timberwolves getting a coach's spot, but he's a classic example of a talented player getting numbers that don't translate often enough to win, uh, to wins. But if Trey's getting it in the East, Carl Anthony Towns, their record is actually better. I can see him uh, easily getting selected. The overlooked story 
because it's not the least bit sexy. And no, there's no chance of me writing this for Fox Sports because it's not going to move the needles. I know you people. You're not going to read about the number of young coaches who are doing an admirable job squeezing wins out of teams by mixing and matching a collection of decent players. That just does not ring the bell. Maybe for those of you who are listening to this podcast because you are true hoops fans, but the vast majority of of readers out there, they don't care. There's got to be a big name in the mix. And these are not big names. Taylor Jenkins in Memphis, Chris Finch in Minnesota, Wes Unsell Jr. in D.C., J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland, and James Borrego in Charlotte. I'm sure some of you are scratching your heads going, oh, yeah, I know that guy. But you couldn't pick him out of a lineup. And in any case, all have their teams playing competitive basketball on a nightly basis with rosters that boast only one clear-cut all-star talent. So, salute. I'm just hoping that Steph and KD wind up as the top vote-getters in their respective conferences. That's in part why I have Steph in my starting lineup. So that we get to see them square off as captains. I know. It's self-indulgent for me to think that way. And for any of you who want John Morant and are going to be upset that John Morant is not a starter on my ballot, I understand. There'll be plenty of time for John Morant. And let's, let's be clear, too. He's been really good, but I just can't ignore what Chris Paul in particular has done. Playing every game, leading the Suns to the best record in the West. Yes, I know he's got talent around him, but he's the guy who organizes it all. And he's done that at a higher level than John Morant has. And as I said, I don't go by numbers strictly. The numbers would say John Morant is there. Numbers would say that Chris Paul is a sub at best. Again, that's why I watch the games. Now, I'm just hoping that Steph and KD wind up as the top vote-getters in their respective conferences so we get to see them square off as captains. I know Lakers fans are hoping LeBron earns the honor once again, but Seeing him and KD pick teams, yeah, that wouldn't be bad, but it doesn't have as much spice for me as Steph and KD with all the quiet shade that KD has thrown at Steph by talking up Kyrie as the better player. I understand what KD is saying as far as ball handling and one-on-one creativity is concerned, but it's one of those things that I don't think needed to be said out of respect for the role that Steph played in helping KD get his two rings. There's individual brilliance, and then there's being in the trenches together to achieve the ultimate prize. And I would still say as a playmaker for others, Steph is head and shoulders above Kyrie when it comes to that. In any case, the comparison didn't need to be made without considering the other intangibles that Steph brings that Kyrie most decidedly does not. KD could have just taken a pass, said they're both great in their own ways. A look at the all-star starters and the challenge in filling out the benches points up a potential issue looming for the league right now, which is who are the next wave of stars to carry the mantle for KD, Steph, and LeBron? Not just 
regular season stars, but the ones that can lead teams to title contention. The best or most electric or eye-catching of them, Ja, LaMelo, let's throw Donovan Mitchell in there, are in small markets that are going to be hard-pressed to put championship-caliber talent around them. And that's not me wishing ill on small market teams. It's just a fact. Not every team has multiple billionaire owners as Milwaukee does, or a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo who is still finding his ultimate ceiling. Look at the nine, uh, look at nine of the 10 2018 All-Star starters. This is four years ago. Embiid, Curry, LeBron, KD, Kyrie, Harden, DeRozan, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. At least eight of them could potentially be starting this year. And okay, Doncic could very well start, but how many first-round exits is it going to take before we, and by we I mean everybody except me, stops predicting that Luka is going to win MVP and lead the Mavericks to a title. No one's really expecting AD at this point to step up and take the Lakers or anybody else anywhere, are they? Devin Booker? He's Bradley Beal without Chris Paul, the leading scorer on a 500 team. There's Giannis, of course, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised if he dominates the league over the next five years or so. It's there for the taking for him. The question will be, can he truly be the face of the entire league? We've never seen an international player do that, particularly from a small market that I can think of. And there's a certain personality that comes with that. I love everything about Giannis, but America and basketball at large, basketball fans at large, don't seem to be taking to him in the same way. All right, that does it for the conversation about the all-star selection process. Uh, for those who caught the Lakers knocking off the Utah Jazz, you saw the Jazz's Achilles heel. They can't deal with athleticism, and they don't have a playmaker who can create shots. As bad as the Lakers are going, and they didn't play particularly well, the Jazz demonstrated that if their threes aren't falling, and they were not, they are left with throwing lobs to the rim for Rudy Gobert, or Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell looking to go one-on-one. -on -one. Now, good teams have answers for attacks as simple as those. Stanley Johnson, having just signed another 10-day with the Lakers, for those who don't know, is a superior athlete. And in this game, he simply blew by whoever was guarding him and got to the rim, including Pascal Gobert, who looked as if he not Stanley had five fouls. Stanley played down the stretch with five fouls. You would have never known that by the way the Jazz played. And for those wondering, Gobert had three. It's why I don't really care what the Jazz's regular season record is. Given the kind of time a playoff series provides to game plan specifically for them, makes them beatable by anybody who has a good-sized athletic wing 
who can defend Donovan, and a big who is not afraid to go right at Gobert. The Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Nuggets all have at least one, if not both, of those. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball. It's good to be back. Uh, Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This is, by the way, on the United WeCast Network. And in the next podcast, I've got all those ideas. Uh, I want to talk about why the Bay Area loves Clay Thompson the way that it does, the way that they've connected with him. Uh, I want to talk about why it's so difficult to figure out where Kyrie Irving stands among all-time point guards. I want to talk about why the Bulls just showed why I have consistently said they're good, but they're not title contenders yet. Got to get into the overreach of what it's what LeBron fans do. Um, we can celebrate LeBron, but I wish we wouldn't undermine it. We'll get into that. And then the comparisons of John Morant to Derrick Rose. Those are just some of the ideas that I want to get to over the, well, let's say coming weeks, because I'm sure there's other stuff that's going to arise as we move forward and get closer to the All-Star Weekend. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 